maybe because, like we were talking about a couple weeks ago, it, oh, I plugged it in after I had started Zencaster. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, do you want to do you want to hear something uh, that is? It, it should be funny if it mm. wasn't so sad. Sure. As I was editing the podcast, editing the episode for last week, I noticed that my audio sounded better. With my desk moved away from my sound-canceling panels on my wall as Weird. I'm in the middle of the room. So I'm still there because it still hasn't rained so that I can test out if my window <laughs> still leaks. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm still in the middle of, it, middle of our guest room. AKA my studio. Yeah, maybe just even being that close to the wall, even with sound canceling, it was still picking up some sort of echo. And being in the middle of the room, the gain on this microphone you use is not big enough to for an echo to make a difference. I don't know. That's just my theory maybe. right off the bat. I have no idea. I have no idea. Mm. I kind of like the layout of my desk in the middle of the room, but also it cuts off the room <laughs> yeah, so yeah. much. It It's... A desk made to be put in a corner. It's it has a ninety degree angle in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't have that in the middle of a room. <laughs> no, unless you were like trying, unless you were trying to split it. You know, like maybe you yeah, did like exactly. in the dorm room days or something. Like, hey, let's put our desk in the middle. That's that way. It's like we have two different rooms. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I meant I meant gate by the way, not gain. Uh, I meant I meant. Gate. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's just audio stuff. So, yeah, I'm a little tired because we were up late last night and I, I think I drank, well, maybe not an entire bottle of Prosecco, but very nearly. Oh, so, shit. <laughs> yeah. What are you guys doing? <laughs> Nothing. Just hanging out at a neighbor's. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's nice. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we um, did a little celebrating yesterday as well because, Tim, are you ready yeah. for this? Yes. I finally received all 26 weeks of my oh unemployment my compensation all at once all at once oh, baby <laughs> i've been able i like i i've started getting mine cuz i didn't have i guess the financial confusions that they were dealing with with you and so i but even <sighs> so even that little influx i was excited about but i can't imagine what 26 weeks was <laughs> holy fuck i i woke up yesterday checked my bank account app and i'm like oh <laughs> okay. You, you want to know what my first uh, purchase was? That uh, now that I had more than like fifty bucks, um, a, a PlayStation Five. What's it out? Was now? It was not. It was PlayStation Five and the yeah, Xbox PS5. One. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm gonna hold, still hold off on buying a next gen console because the the games aren't there uh, yet. That's that, why that I that I want. But anyway, no, we went to Shoe Carnival. And I bought a pair of Crocs. Oh, nice. <laughs> Splurge. Grace, Grace had them for like all the pandemic. And she's like, this is the best purchase I ever made. And I'm like, really? And I was I was a Crocs denier uh, up until like last year. And then she's like, yeah, these are great. So I got my own pair of Crocs. Awesome. And they're fantastic. They are. They're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. They're I, real comfortable. I still can't bring myself to to get a pair. Dude, you gotta. <laughs> I, I hope Alan Alan Carpenter listens to this episode. I, I know he'll probably listen to it in like a month when he's shaving his head. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how far behind he is. But I I know we worked with a couple of I mean, the whole Rocket Morning Show are, are Crocs believers, if I'm not if I'm not uh, mistaken. I don't know if Moj is or not. Yeah. 
I thought he uh, maybe maybe the pair of Crocs that I would grab from in there. I remember having to get a. a they had Crocs in there for some reason. I remember having to grab them, but and they were under. They were probably they're probably both Allens. Yeah, they probably were. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, maybe maybe I'll come around one of these days. Why why bother? Why bother putting it off? Who am I trying to impress? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just <laughs> just remember, if you ain't Croc and you ain't rocking. <laughs> Did you get those little? Do you have any charms for them? You know they sell those Croc no. charms. <laughs> no, I didn't get those. Oh, that's a bridge too far. There was just none I wanted. I was thinking mm. of getting like just a single one or something, but I'm like. Do I need like a fucking Starbucks coffee cup <laughs> or an avocado or a piece of bacon or something? No, do do I need the Harry Potter logo? <laughs> no. Should we get going? Yeah, might as well. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the season finale of season eight. It's episode 22, The Summer of George. But before that, what is the deal with stuff from our last episode? The muffin tops. We really only had one little bit of homework. We wanted to know if the guy, uh, the attendant at Jiffy Dump is the same as the attendant at Jiffy Park. And it is the same yes. guy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Haim Giraffe played in the Wigmaster Jiffy Park guy and in the muffin tops Jiffy Dump guy the very next season, I think. So yeah, definitely the same guy, and that's the, the bit of homework, only bit of homework we had. But as I suspected, um, we would be diving into the Peterman reality tour, which was based on Kenny Kramer's real life Kramer's reality tour. And you know, I've never Ugh. really, as big of a Seinfeld fan as I am, I've never really delved into the life of Kenny Kramer. But Seinfeld co-creator Larry David lived across the hall from Kenny for six years, just as Jerry did in the show. The two lived in Manhattan Plaza, a federally assisted apartment complex for performing artists in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, David said that <laughs> Kramer was a little bit eccentric and we'd be a good character to have on a show. Many of the traits of Kenny Kramer, such as the obsessions with golf, fruit, hot tubs, taking things out of his neighbor's refrigerator and coming up with strange ideas and inventions were featured in Seinfeld. So that's all stuff that the real Kenny Kramer used to do. Hmm. Michael Richards didn't want to meet with Kenny to study the character. He wanted to create it himself, uh, which uh, situation was parodied in the fourth season during the pilot episode when the character Kessler doesn't want, you know, Kramer's trying to give the guy playing him info on how to play him. And he doesn't, you know, the actor's like, I'm not, oh I'm not doing God. that. Yeah. And and the character was originally named Kessler due to Larry David's fear that using the same name would spur the real Kramer to exploit his association. But Jerry was like, Jerry just liked the name too much. So Kenny Kramer then did contact Castle Rock with a list of demands, many of which were financial for the use of his name. One demand not met was that Kenny would get to play Kramer, which is also parodied in the pilot that Kramer wants to play the Kramer character in the show. <laughs> Kenny has been the host of Kramer's reality tour and the Kramer's reality road show since Seinfeld Ugh. has been on the air. Apparently he tells behind the scenes stories to the audience. Is he still doing it? It's every Saturday at noon. It still Fuck runs it. every single week. Oh my God. Yeah. It is three hours long. <laughs> So that's where they that's where they got that from. Yes, and I don't know if you know. I'm I'm guessing just inflation being what it is. It is currently forty seven fifty per person with a two dollar service charge. So Kramer does say. Remember, he was like, "I'm only charging thirty seven fifty. So I wonder if that oh was the actual God. price of the reality tour in nineteen ninety seven. It'd be funny if like it was forty seven fifty back then, and they just undercut him by ten dollars just yeah. because. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just so when people took it, they were like, "Hey, on the show, they said it'd be thirty <laughs> seven. <laughs> yeah, just to mess with them. So, a DVD version of the re reality tour has been produced. I think we have to get this thing and watch it for the Patreon. Oh my god, it's twenty five bucks. Oh, and you can also get it on VHS. He's still selling VHS of it. 
but the DVD Hell is twenty five yeah. bucks. Yeah, yeah. Maybe for authenticity, we should get the DV- the the VHS. We just need a VCR. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm sure you can get a VCR at like any Goodwill, right? Yeah, there's bound to be yeah a couple stacked up. Yeah, so that that is definitely on our wish list. And the relationship between Cosmo Kramer and Kenny Kramer is explored in the feature at Kramer versus Kramer, Kenny to Cosmo on the third season Seinfeld DVD. So it's a little special feature there, Ted, that maybe we can check out at a later date. Uh, it's a shame that those, you know, even when you buy them on Google, it, it doesn't seem like you get any special features if you buy the season, which is a shame. Damn, yeah. that sucks. I wonder if those are I, up on that, YouTube. Maybe. I, I, I would think so. That's why... Uh, I become a fan of watching stuff on Vudu and, and Prime. They always have like the special features and uh, and different yeah, clips yeah. from the releases. But like Hulu would have a few things, never the full thing. Netflix never has no. anything. That's why I'm like, I-, I want the episodes to start streaming, but they're not going to have any of the fucking features unless that was part of their deal. Yeah, which I doubt. Which it, it yeah. very well could be though. But they weren't on Hulu. I don't think I don't That's think true. there were any special not that I saw, maybe there were. That's true, but like look at when the office was on Netflix versus now that it's on Peacock and they yeah. have the super fan episodes. Yeah, yeah, they beef that up. Yeah, that's true. So, and, and that's one thing I love about Disney Plus. Their extras are awesome. There's deleted scenes. There's oh, intros yeah. by cast members. There's trailers. There's yeah, that's awesome. They do a great job with that. Uh, after achieving fame as the real Kramer from Seinfeld, Kenny Kramer worked as a correspondent for Hard Copy, created and hosted Kramer's New York segments for the Fox New York City affiliate WNYW's Good Day New York, and he appeared in the original New York company of Tony and Tina's Wedding, playing himself. Which is, that's like a um, actually Tony. That's funny. So Tony and Tina's Wedding. There's a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode about that. It's it's like kind of this Broadway show where the cast like mingles with the crowd and like they talk to you in character um, about what's <laughs> going on. Like, uh, can you believe my sister Tina's marrying that mook or whatever? Um, yeah, and and yeah, L- Larry David has kind of the same reaction that you just have. That like he hates that device, and like, um, so it's interesting that you know his old friend Kenny Kramer was in the original New York production of that. But playing himself is weird. I, I don't know much about the play, but I didn't think Kenny Kramer was a character in it. And in ninety, and he's on he's on a ton of the Seinfeld DVD special features apparently as well. Uh, in ninety seven, he ran for he tried to get the Democratic Party nomination for mayor of New York. I definitely don't remember this. Oh, my God. Yeah. He claimed that his candidacy was quite serious, and he wanted to represent a lot of disenfranchised Democrats out there. He did not get the nomination. In 2001, he was asked about running again, and the next day, the Libertarian Party offered him a spot on their ticket, and he accepted. And uh, one of his uh, chief issues was the decriminalization of marijuana. So that like kind of plays into the you know Kramer being a stoner kind of thing you know it's never addressed on the show but everyone's like well come on you know like um (laughs) during his run he claimed that his previous run was a publicity stunt but uh, this new one was not and his campaign slogan was Kramer for mayor this time I'm not kidding and he finished seventh (laughs) he finished seventh in the election with 1,408 votes I love that slogan. Yeah, this time I'm not kidding. But I would love to see what Kenny Kramer would be capable of now that our elections are decided by internet memes. Oh, God. Oh, he'd be president. I 100%. think he might be. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that'd be such a bad thing, you know? <laughs> so KennyKramer.com is still operational, and it looks like it hasn't been updated since the days of GeoCities. Like, even though... No way. Even though it appears to be still monitored and still being updated, he hasn't updated the graphic design 
at all. It looks like a website that was created in 1997 or maybe even earlier. It's absolutely right, crazy. I'm, look- I'm looking at it right now. Holy <laughs> shit. This is the fucking like basic HTML website I would make in high school. Exactly. Holy fuck. Yes. And just like those old websites, there's no menus or it's like all one giant it's scroll. All, it's all one page. Yes, yeah. it's one single page that you scroll. Scroll. I mean, it just keeps going. One thing you might notice on there is that he answers his all his own email. You can write to him at Kramer at KennyKramer.com. And, wow. he, and he was like, how about telling me about you? Tell me where you're from, what you do, and how you found this page. So, you know, make sure you direct him to No Hugging, No Learning. If you do send him an email, maybe we should send him an email. And, we should. Uh, set up an interview or something. Uh, <laughs> oh, one, one great thing, one very 97 thing that he offers is his own ringtones. I don't know what they are, but he has his own ringtones and one-stop gift shopping for sign fans at Kmart, including oh. yeah, including the which is so dated because Kmart's even gone now. You know, yeah, I know. <laughs> like that's a joke that is is extinct. The including the real Kramer shirt, which is a shirt with a portrait of him wearing a shirt with that famous portrait of Michael Richards as Kramer. You know, the Kramer. So it's a picture. It's a portrait of him. And he's even wearing like a jean shirt over the Kramer shirt. So it's uh yeah, it's a shirt with several different shirts on it, I guess. I, I'm I'm looking at the site now and how you mentioned there is no buttons or anything. Uh, I want to yeah. point out to you that is not entirely accurate. You scroll about halfway down and under the giant real Kramer t-shirt now available hyperlink, there are a <laughs> bunch of buttons that read homepage Kramer Archives, Reality Tour, Ask Kramer, Media Slut, Fan Club, (laughs) Site Guide, and Kramer Cooks. Okay, yeah, so there are, yeah, I do remember there being little pages that you could click through to. Yeah, you're right. It isn't just one page, but it is one long page. There's Kramer Television Slut and Kramer Print Slut. (laughs) Yeah, pretty amazing, pretty, uh, you know, engrossing character, I gotta say. He's, he even has wow. his own Wikipedia page. A lot of the info came from his little Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that they went with the cool the, the Michael Richards hair and not the actual long hair. I don't know if he's always had that long hair or whatever, but, you know, I mean, the, the hair they chose for Kramer just, I don't know, it's just so much better than the actual old man, long gray hair, kind of old stoner rocker guy look yeah. that Kenny Kramer <laughs> has, often wearing a, a backwards snapback. Or what do you call the ones that have a little cloth thing that you can pull through? I see those on him a lot. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> Belt. I, I mean, it's the earliest evolution of a dad hat yeah. before dad hats were popular. Yeah, backwards dad hat. So there's our, uh, our uh, yeah, I guess maybe you could call it a deep dive on Kenny Kramer. A lot of information on Kenny Kramer there. Uh, about time we got to it. So here's just some more trivia and tidbits from the Muffin Tops. The original script had a completely different Elaine story involving Kramer getting a police scanner and using it to eavesdrop on his neighbors. Elaine would then use that info from the scanner against her boyfriend. Two days before filming, an episode of Frasier used a similar story. So Spike Ferriston, one of the writers, quickly came up with the Muffin Top story as a replacement, inspired by a girlfriend named Lori, who only ate the tops of muffins. Wow. Yeah. All right. The luggage mishap was based on the time a guy at a bar asked Spike Ferriston to watch his luggage. Rather than waiting, as George does in the episode, Ferriston abandoned the luggage when he left the bar an hour later. Mm -hmm. So I guess he just get into those situations and you're like all right well let's uh let's just play with this you know what could happen you start wearing the clothes you take it with you yeah On the- yeah well, i mean you, you ask somebody to watch your luggage I, i'll give them like uber driver rules you've got five minutes man yeah. if you're not back in five minutes 
I'm leaving this. It's not my responsibility. That's your fault. Yeah, I, and yeah, I think even if if you're gonna if you want to be there longer than five minutes, that's fine. But like, whenever you will have to leave and they're not back, like that's not your problem. It's like, all right, well, you know, I'm on my own schedule. They didn't know it, and that's their fault. Yeah, you know, on the day of filming, the actor cast to play the head of Tyler Chicken, Don Tyler, completely refused to bob his head. I don't know why an actor would show up and go, I'm not going to do that. It's just weird <laughs> to me. But with no time left to recast a part, a member of the production crew, Pete Papa Nicholas, was asked to fill in the role. So he plays Don Tyler. <laughs> Imagine, like, that's the hill you're ready to die on. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm, I was going to be an extra in Seinfeld. They were only going <laughs> to film the back of my head, but I refused to bob my head like a chicken, so they canceled my booking. Yeah, <laughs> cancel, cancel culture. Oh. Cancel culture takes Don Tyler out. Wow, it's almost like you were hired to do one thing, <laughs> refused to do that one thing, and they found someone else who yeah. would do that one thing. Yeah, it's like he, this guy thought he was su he had such an amazing back of his head that like, oh, they'll never replace me as Don Tyler. Um, I'm trying to see who the voice of... So Lee Bear plays the back of George Steinbrenner's head, so it's not the same actor that was playing... But sure enough, Pete Papa Nicholas is uncredited as Don Tyler, just as Lee Bear is uncredited as George Steinbrenner. I'm looking to see if there's like, no, there's no voices. I wish there was voice of Don Tyler, but I don't know. Yeah, just a weird hill to die on. Uh, Jerry's scratching it. Oh, here we go. So I, at the end of the episode, Jerry runs out of the bus and rips open his shirt and starts scratching his chest hair and lets out a howl like a wolf. And we knew that it was, I, I thought it might have been a direct parody of something and, and, you were like, well, it's just, I think, just kind of like a genre parody of the Wolfman genre, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it probably isn't. But uh, I did find that it is a kind of a parody of a movie called Wolf, which came out in 1994. Are you familiar huh. with this? So it is no. a Wolfman movie. It's an American romantic horror film starring Jack Nicholson, Mich uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, and James Spader. Aging publisher Will Randall, played by Jack Nicholson. A younger co-worker snatches his job out from under his nose. Then he gets bitten by a wolf, and he suddenly finds himself energized and more competitive than ever and possessed with amazingly heightened senses. Meanwhile, the beautiful daughter of his shrewd boss begins to fall for him without realizing that the man she's begun to love is gradually turning into the creature by which he was bitten. Huh. Yeah. I've never heard of this. Yeah, I, rem I remember when it came out, and yeah, it, uh, I I had no, it, it didn't really interest me as a thirteen year old. <laughs> um, but so I guess it was kind of a specific parody of a specific Wolfman movie. Uh, in the episode, Elaine tells Lipman to take the exclamation point out of the title for his muffin shop. I totally forgot that uh, the last one of the last times we saw Lipman in season five, he was telling Elaine to take out the inordinate amount of exclamation points from a book she's editing. Which I think was Jake Jarmel's book, the sniffing in the I sniffing so, accountant. Yeah. yeah, like he uses too many exclamation points. Um, so it's kind of interesting that the tables turn when Elaine got the chance to edit. <laughs> I wonder if she was doing that to get back at him. The Tyson. So we knew that Tyler Chicken because their logo was identical. Tyler Chicken was a parody of Tyson Chicken, and Tyson was originally going to be featured, but the company objected to the alcoholic chicken joke, and so they had to invent Tyler Chicken instead of Tyson Chicken. Oh my God! Another. Hill to die on. Yeah. I guess that's a little more excusable because it is a company and, and like they're trying to protect their brand. But yeah. like, 
Holy shit, really? Yeah, but it's weird like again, what what do you what? Do you think people are going to take that seriously or even if it, even if you are like, you know, some sort of southern baptist that can't drink Ugh. or whatever that you really think people are going to hold that against you? It's just weird. <laughs> Here's another thing that I I sort of brushed by when we were talking about the episode. What's her face starts talking about the Mexican hairless. She's like, "Oh, a Mexican hairless. I love this." And I was like, "Is that really what that breed is called?" It is not. That's actually a Chinese crested. It's not. Oh. A Mexican hairless. I, I should have looked this up earlier, but I don't even know if Mexican hairless is an actual dog. <laughs> oh, it is. It is a dog breed. How about that? But yeah, it doesn't have that like tuft of white hair on its tail or its head. It's like literally just uh, just bald. Okay. Well, it does have a tiny little... Some of them it looks like they do have a little like mohawk up top, but for the most part, it's totally hairless. And that one, remember, had that little puff. Uh, it had like kind of a hairy head and feet and tail and then had the smooth body. So... I didn't know Mexican hairless was a dog, but I knew that wasn't one of them <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and spoiler alert, I guess this is Larry David's final appearance as George Steinbrenner until the series finale. Oh, man. Yep. And and it's as he, as we sort of touched on when he came back to play Steinbrenner, he just started to feel un- uncomfortable speaking lines that he hadn't written himself. So a lot of people dying on hills uh, in this in this trivia and tidbit section. God. Larry David saying, I'm not going to deliver lines that I've written myself. Wasn't it like, um, uh, this just came up in like my memories because we talked about the millennium and I hated the millennium, but do you remember the Jimmy and like the, the pseudo homophobic jokes in that? Like Jerry was like, "Uh, there's something about like watching a man sing a song or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Larry Larry David's giving me those vibes right now. There's something about reading lines another man wrote for me. (laughs) What the fuck, Uh, dude? Another guy wrote these, you know. I I can't say these. A man wrote these and not me? Yeah, someone less talented than I am wrote these? I don't know about this. But why not just give him free reign? Go, here's what we wrote. Play around with it. You don't have to... Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you got to stick to the plot, but... Yeah. <laughs> just... Here, here's, here's point A. Here's point B. Find a way to get there. Exactly. Which, if I'm not mistaken, is the way that Curb Your Enthusiasm is made. Like, nobody has a real script. They just have, like, a plot outline. And they're like, all right, in this scene, that's exactly what we have to do. Yeah, we have to... This, ha- this has to happen in this scene and action. So I, I guess maybe that's another interesting dichotomy between, you know, Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David were this kind of yin and yang of comedy even. And so I wonder if that's one of their things. Jerry likes rehearsal. He likes things scripted. And Larry David is more loose and improv But that's it. That's all the uh, stuff we have for the muffin tops. All righty. Uh, do we have any more news or anything? No. No, we don't. Not that I know of. Okay. Okay. Uh, only thing I've got, and th- this is more like rumor, but I've seen some more things pop up about a potential streaming date for Seinfeld on Netflix. People are thinking it's going to be like end of September, I think. Uh, again, I don't think anything is confirmed, but right now it- it's it's looking like it'll be before too long, really. Okay. Well, they better ramp up that marketing campaign. <laughs> I, I do want to bring uh, up um, the, that card game that you saw. If you were done with talking about the streaming, oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. What? Because what, I remember us talking about that because that's part of the like Funko release, mm-hmm. but we didn't know anything about it. Like, were you able to dis- discern how it's played or anything like that? No, but it looks just like a very simple trivia game. Like, I don't know if you uh, saw the photo of the back of the box, but. 
So it reads, celebrate the hit 90s TV show in this hilarious head-to-head party game that will challenge what you know about the show about nothing. <laughs> Score points by answering trivia questions, charades-style acting, and guessing who said or did some of the most hilarious bits ever aired on television. You'll even have a chance to fish for the marble rye like George and Jerry did. <laughs> it's hundreds of Seinfeld-celebrating activities for outrageous fun. And there are, the cards that it shows are, which character has a sculpture made of them in Entirely out of few silly pasta. Uh. Which character dates a low talker who quietly convinces Jerry to wear a very puffy shirt on the Today Show? And <laughs> which character works at a publishing company that releases a coffee table book about coffee tables that also functions as a coffee table? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it looks very simple. Yeah, not um, difficult at all. No. It, it looks like all of the cards are going to have one of four answers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and maybe I, I, five if you include Newman. You I'm know? looking. At, I'm looking at the contents, and I see that it comes with 176 challenge cards, uh, eight character tokens, six Newman tokens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you don't want to get a Newman token in the game. Oh, our Newman tokens are probably like negative points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, one marble rye bread and one fishing pole. Although, whenever I was looking at the back of the box, actually, it was the front of the box because it's a little more prominent. Looking at the marble rye, Grace saw that. And she's like, is that a shit? <laughs> yeah. Do you have to fish for poop? Do you, do you fish for feces in this game? No. I, I, I told her, I'm like, no, it's a marble rye, but it does look it's like a it. marble rye. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder if this game is even worth getting. Like, it doesn't seem like it's made for... Like, diehard fans are not going to find it interesting, and, you know, regular Seinfeld fans aren't probably going to care. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I like that show. Uh, I, I'm not going to buy a whole card game, but um, I do like the idea of us filming a playthrough, and we have we have uh, Joey Begovdenuts and the Downvoter both want in, so. Man. That could be fun. Maybe we finally need to do a live event somewhere, but our, but our fan base is, like, so scattered. I know we've talked about it before. Like, Sweden has been on the table because we have a couple people from... <laughs> We could do Sweden. We yeah. could do Manhattan. Yeah. Obviously, there's there's Erie or Pittsburgh, Eerie but like Pittsburgh. I, I feel like we've got uh, some listeners in Australia too. Yeah. God, it's it's weird. <laughs> yeah. So maybe a live event. I don't know. We need to, we need to bulk up at least one of those fan bases. They're all too over the place. Maybe if there's ever like a Seinfeld convention, we could just like horn in on that. That's actually probably the best idea. You know, let somebody else schedule another Seinfeld, a Seinfeld convention put on by another podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll call it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But we'll call it like the real Seinfeld convention. Um, the Seinfeld reality convention, and then it'll just be us. You know, like how there's a bunch of, you know, anytime that like Comic-Con rolls through town, like through San Diego specifically, like all the bars have, you know, different events that are not sanctioned, but, you know, nerds are in town and they'll go see nerdy stuff. It's the exact same thing with wrestling in WrestleMania. Ah, Oh, yeah, they're like, oh, it's and and film festivals, too, I know have. Like, every time Sundance happens, there's always, like, offshoot film festivals going on, like alternative film Mm -hmm. festivals. So, yeah, that's us, the alternative Seinfeld convention, and it's just one live event, (laughs) one live podcast recording. It's crazy how there aren't a bunch of, like, indoor football leagues running the same weekend as the Super Bowl. (laughs) That'd be amazing. Or just, like, any football game. It's like, hey, you can go to that football game, or you can come to ours right down the street. Here's a... You get it. Here's a buy one get one free ticket. <laughs> here's a flyer. Yeah, that that. Well, I think there's. A, you just came up with a million dollar idea, Ted. 
the, this next revival of the XFL is going to be huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, strip clubs hate us because we're giving <laughs> football fans something else to do. Okay. Oh, I guess that's it. I guess that's a, the only question I had about just, uh, uh, you know, you tweeted about the game and I was curious. All right. Uh, if you have never listened to this podcast before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 34 minutes uh, being exclusively research and homework. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the show and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Uh, if you do that and you send us uh, a email or a DM, we will send you a free holographic No Hugging, No Learning sticker while supplies last. Uh, we've only got like a few of those left. Nice. Uh, so get on that if you want one before we start sending out the ones for the new show, Woo! Um, which we will start doing. All of that being said, season eight, episode 22 the summer of george the season eight finale original air date may 15th 1997 i was four years four months and 25 days old and tim if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left we have 23 episodes until we become a Mm, tough one a trivia game playthrough podcast yeah and, and, we don't we don't watch any of the shows. We don't yeah. watch any of the movies, but we only play the trivia games. Yeah, trivia games about one specific piece of media. You mean, right? Mm, I mean, not not always. Oh, okay. uh, it, it, it could be like a different show or a different movie, but we never watch that thing. Well, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, like so it wouldn't oh, be like yeah. Trivia Pursuit pop culture editions. Like, no, it's got to be Trivia Pursuit the Big Bang Theory only Sp- edition specific, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like we could play like. <laughs> We play seen it sports or something yeah, yeah, and yeah. just get a zero to zero total score. Yeah, they make a ton. Of, by the way, I still have. I mean, I, I think a, a a game show playthrough is probably good for you know destined for the Patreon because I do have Seinfeld seen it. Oh my god! I don't even know where <laughs> I got it. Happened to seen it? Yeah, seen it is such like an old video like a game property like i I think it was really banking on like dvds totally yeah (laughs) yeah definitely it was it was definitely cool to play along with the you know have that element to it i'm surprised that there's no like like digital version of seen it like buy the game on it might be available on steam or something right yeah probably that would be cool (laughs) oh man okay well if you're looking at tv guy the night of may 15th 1997 you are gonna see After getting fired from the Yankees, George uses his free time to help Jerry with a demanding girlfriend, period. Mm. Kramer accidentally wins a Tony Award while (laughs) Elaine is accused of being mean by her coworkers. Wow. I mean, it's all true. It's long. I don't know. We might be able to make it better. Maybe we can do some editing. Who knows? That's kind of rare for us, but... (laughs) I'm I'm sure we'll be able to, and especially when we get to next week's episode. Uh, Oh. I'll I'll just leave that as a little nugget (laughs) until the end of the show. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so we start with a cold open, and Jerry and George are at the outdoor coffee shop. And I started thinking, you know, I was like, you know, maybe sometimes they don't want to be inside. They're like, well, I, w- I want to get some coffee, but I don't want to sit in-, in Monks. Let's uh, let's dine out fresco and go to the outdoor coffee shop. So I'm-, I'm thinking that like sometimes when it's nice and warm in New York, like maybe in May, that's why we've seen them here so often for the cold open instead of inside Monks. 
And the Yankees did actually fire George, as you would learn if you were reading TV Guide, uh, which is just weird to me. But then I remembered Steinbrenner. It's like he wouldn't go to the trouble of rehiring somebody just because of a big misunderstanding, like thinking that he worked at Tyler Chicken. He's like, well, you know, Mr. Steinbrenner, I don't, I don't actually work there. So I, you know, you can't trade me to them for all the chicken stuff. It's like, sorry, George, it's already happened. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, no boss would do that. I was like, oh, then I remembered the Seinfeld universe Steinbrenner and like, yeah, that's it. You're out of here, you know? And also because of what George does, maybe George Steinbrenner actually looked into that because Jerry's like, oh, well, I mean, you know, you took him to the World Series and, and I like George's like sort of joke, but also sort of serious. Like, well, I got to give the players a lot of the credit for that. But then Jerry's like, well, no, I mean, you know, you booked the hotels, you booked the trips. And George is like, actually, I don't know who was doing that. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I, I did like Jerry said something like, when you were there, what work did you actually do? And George was like, you know, they had a pastry cart like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> yeah, just munched free pastries and napped. So Jerry, so the waitress comes over and gives him uh, their coffee. And Jerry asks if he should take her to the Tonys because he got tickets because he wrote some jokes for the show. And George asks, why, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you ask me? He tries a, a joke about, he was like, what's the deal with those guys in the pit? Jerry just like Jerry just stares at him like they're musicians. <laughs> it's like it's not a joke. And George goes, "It's a funny observation." <laughs> and a lot of lot of meta references in the latter half of of season eight. Yeah, definitely, definitely, just poking fun at sitcoms and and stand up comedy in general. George opens some mail that he has there at the table, and he finds out that he's getting three months severance from the Yankees, as Jerry put it. <sighs> Well, they, they've been paying you for three years for doing nothing. What's three more months? God, a month for every year? That would have been nice when I got laid uh, off. Oh, man, yeah. Christ. I got one week for every year I was there. Jeez. I got paid out for my vacation days, and that's it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, so, George sees this as an opportunity. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this this time off, which by the way, like any sane person would go, oh great, I have a little three-month buffer to hopefully by the end of this, I'll have a job, <laughs> you know, but not George. <laughs> He's not going to spend any time job hunting. He's going to read a book. And I like the I like anytime book reading comes up because I feel the exact same way. It's like I would love to be to be book smart and be able to read books, but it's just never going to happen. And, and even Jerry's like, oh, I've always wanted to do that. And George, I think, throws in it's kind of like a dad joke. He's like, I'm going to read a book from beginning to end in that order. <laughs> but it also which it also makes me think like maybe George is the kind of person who like reads the last page of a book first. Did you ever do that when you were like, you know, had to read books no. in high school? Yeah, I, I would no. do that a lot. Like I'd read the last page. And most of the time you have no context. You're like, I have no idea how this ends, even though I just read the ending. <laughs> but it makes me think that also that's the kind of reader that George is. Or maybe like you know, reads the beginning, then flips to the end. It's like, all right, I read a book. He wants to learn frolf, frisbee golf, and he proclaims this the summer of George uh, and then gets chased out of the scene by a bee. Uh, that's uh, literally me this past week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, your house is just attacking you and trying to destroy you. Your computer, I know, dude. your body. I know. <laughs> so up at uh, Jay Peterman's offices, Sam walks by. She's a new accountant. She walks by Elaine talking to some other employees and the coworker remarks that she doesn't move her arms when she walks. They just hang there like salami. And by the way, Sam is Molly Shannon. Did you recognize her? Yeah. 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 The uh, at least 
the second of that era of SNL people, because I remember Anna Gosteyer being on an episode a long oh, yeah, time right. ago. But this is Molly Shannon. So I wonder, I'm, I'm just going to have to write that down to see where Molly Shannon was in her career right now, because I'm almost certain that she was not on SNL yet. But, you know, it's, it's mid-97, so uh, I don't know. And Elaine joins in with the ribbing of Sam, and the guys make little cat noises at her. Like that. Uh, up in Jerry's apartment, Elaine is telling Jerry, I like this visual. It's like Sam is walking carrying invisible suitcases. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I wonder if like if I needed to do this, I would need that that direction in my head, like just walk like you're carrying. I would use that, you know, if I was Molly yeah. Shannon and I had to because it's gotta be weird walking and not, you know, you you, you just wanna do it. It's reflex. So Yeah, that's that's gotta be what they told her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like walk like you're carrying invisible suitcases. Yeah, or let them hang there like salami. That's another great visual because they look like arms hanging there anyway, you know, when you think about it. But Elaine points out that there's a doubled standard of cattiness. She was like, the guys were being just as catty as I was. Uh, meanwhile, George is being completely lazy just watching tv on jerry's couch and he is excited that white shadow is on do you know what that is nope not an idea me neither we'll write it down for okay. next week he's very excited about it. i don't know whether it's a tv show or a movie or what and he actually did a lot today though he bought a recliner with a fridge built into it <laughs> uh kramer enters and he's looking for tums because he drank too much water in the shower which i think is just a hilarious throwaway line <laughs> like um and jerry is is bringing the waitress to the tonys and kramer's going to be there too as a seat filler meanwhile at 386 well, oh wait, yeah go ahead hang on but before we go to this next scene i, I want to bring this up kramer got the gig as a seat filler because mickey is a member of the academy right yeah but then Jerry asks, what academy? Jerry is in show business, is he not? Yeah, yeah. How, he's a, yeah. how does Jerry not know what the academy is? Yeah. I mean, you've got to imagine <laughs> when, when people say the academy, that's definitely a uh, an improper noun that people know is the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. But that would have nothing to do with the Tonys. They don't run the Tonys. I, I know, but I'm sure like the they might just work with through yes. the academy to find like seat fillers yes, you know i'm sure there's not yeah. multiple the academies yeah yeah but also how did mickey get into the academy that's what i'd I love to know. know that's maybe what maybe what jerry was so in incredulous <laughs> about he's like mickey hasn't been in an oscar-winning movie or invited by an oscar winner to do, you know like i'm pretty sure it's a rigorous process to actually get into the academy and maybe that's maybe, why he was like okay, what academy yeah. maybe that's why he was like wait a minute mickey can't be in the academy like that academy I, maybe yeah maybe you're what right academy? okay because <laughs> even kramer you know he, he's like oh i'm not sure he doesn't know or whatever he doesn't know which academy but it's probably not just like later on he he uses proper noun to describe somebody who is known by that name but it's not that person so it'd be like saying oh you know what ted uh, my neighbor is madonna and you're like madonna the singer like oh no madonna jones it's just this person <laughs> why did you think i meant madonna the singer it's like because that's she doesn't you yeah. know that's the only person who can go by madonna not your neighbor <laughs> You know. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That's my aunt Cher. Yeah, like yeah. Cher, the singer. No, what? like Cher Roll. Yeah. <laughs> so at 386 Columbus Avenue, which is still condominiums, and there is still that clothing store at street level, and the display window looks almost identical to this B-roll from whenever it was in 97 <laughs> or whatever. I'm like, that clothing store wow. is still there, and it looks like almost the same. It's crazy. And it's 18 stories, 24 units. Uh, right now, you can rent 14B which is a two-bed, two-bath for $7,000 a month, but there's no fee, so that's nice. Yeah, 7K a month. So if you do find a, if you find a roommate, because it's two-bed, two-bath, 
you could each pay thirty five hundred and live very oh, comfortably. Yeah. yeah. What a discount. It's it's pretty awesome though. Like this is exactly okay. You, if you're looking to buy, if you don't want to rent, if you'd rather just you know uh, throw that seven thousand into actually some equity, you can buy ten A on the market right now. Also a two bed two bath for two point two five million. Oh, yep. Christ. It overlook. It's got a, a lot of the. I think both of these have beautiful views overlooking the Museum of Natural History, which is right across the street, which is perfect for us. We've been to the Carnegie Museum of Natural History once a week for the past two weeks because uh, Declan <laughs> loves dinosaurs, as all four-year-old boys do, I think. Um, so we go there to see the dinosaur bones. So that would be perfect for us. Grace showed me a TikTok this morning, not to derail us too much, but she found this video of like someone walking through uh, like a natural history museum. And someone in the comments said, uh, did you know that most bones on the dinosaurs in natural history museums are not real bones? They're plastic. Yeah, you know what I you know who's very upfront about that? The Carnegie Museum. Like they'll tell you are exactly. They really? Yeah, they oh, have wow. little they have little displays are like this is real, this is cast, you know. So they're yeah. cast from real dinosaur bones where like the head's yeah, real, but, the rest is not or whatever. The, this person's explanation though was very troubling because they said you can always tell the smell of real bones. I'm like, "Oh god." Even even <laughs> millions of years old like i understand like well, yeah because because i guess like it'll smell like earth huh yeah that makes sense because i mean they were probably in the earth for millions of years but they've only been excavated for maybe 200 years yeah i, I appreciate because i didn't know that until honestly very recently when i was like there's a little button you can push on the screen that's like real like find out if the skeleton's real and then you hit it and it's like oh here's the parts that are real here's the parts that are not or this is completely cast or this is a replica of something yeah so it, it is it is kind of a downer but it's also interesting when museums are like upfront about it you know yeah i, I think that's that's even cooler honestly so one thing i like about 386 Columbus Avenue is first of all that the one that's for rent is two levels which I think is awesome and Ooh. they have a 24-hour doorman and every I think every unit has a private elevator vestibule so it's almost like an extra room like where you can hang your coat or put your shoes or something like that like Damn. yeah so that's really awesome and this is exactly the kind of place that I would look for I always say if like if I won the Powerball and like won 150 million dollars I'd buy <laughs> an apartment and just have a place to stay in New York anytime we went, like in a great location like this. It's on the Upper West Side. It's across from, it's near museums and shops and stuff. Like, I would buy this. 2.25 million would be nothing to me. And we'd have, you know, a room for the kids, put some bunk beds in there. We got our room. And anytime we go, we just we just stay there. We can stay for as long as we want, you know. And this is exactly the kind of place I would buy if, if I won the lottery. Damn. Yeah, definitely one of my plans. And I always figured, like, yeah, I could drop a couple mil, like maybe one or two, just like look for something. And this is like, this is ideal. So that's Jerry's date's apartment, which, by the way, this is where I was like, do we still not know her name? And it is a, this is an episode. We do not. It's You're a right. long time. And I was like, what do I call her? Jerry's date? She's not her, his girlfriend. Should I call her waitress? I, like, what do I do? Yeah. I wrote down waitress. Yeah. I think I went back and forth between like Jerry's date and waitress, depending on what the context <laughs> was. Uh, so it's Jerry's date's apartment. And as he is there to pick her up, she yells, Lyle, we're going. And this <laughs> dude walks out from, I don't know, the kitchen area or something. He's got long hair, uh, a mustache. He's wearing a flannel shirt with like a leather vest over it. And... <laughs> He kisses the waitress goodbye, and Jerry is uh, rightfully perplexed. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, did you notice that the uh, his date is Amanda Pete? You recognize her? I I didn't know her name. I thought she looked familiar. Yeah, 
Yeah, she's looking okay. really good. I, I when I saw her, I was like, I gotta rank her like pretty far up there when it comes to Jerry's girlfriends in the show. You know, I have my favorites, and and Amanda Pete definitely has to be on that list now. Now that I've seen her, yeah. So we'll have to um we'll have to do a little dive on Amanda Pete to see where she was in her career in '97 because she you know made uh, she was in those uh, Bruce Willis mob movies. What's that? Uh, oh, the whole nine yards. And oh, okay. I forget what else she was in, but yeah, she was um she was a, a favorite of me and my friends in high school. So maybe it's like mostly nostalgia attraction, but she was she was out there at the uh, uh, after a, a, a like a split second, a blink and you miss it award show B roll. <laughs> like what was that? <laughs> I have no idea. It was like filmed in the 1940s, like red <laughs> carpet shit. Yeah, and it was so quick too. It was like why couldn't you just show the outside of a crowded theater? You know, it didn't even look like. The Tonys. It looked like it looked like a Broadway show was like just getting out, and everyone was like in that big mob yeah. of like a movie leaving yeah. at the same time or whatever. It didn't even look like an awards show, but that, that's to establish that we are at the Tonys and inside the theater. Kramer is very eager to fill seats. The second somebody stands up, he's like already trying to get behind <laughs> them to sit in their seat. And Jerry is trying to figure out the relationship between his date and Lyle, and they're now roommates. Uh, Lyle's not gay. I don't know what that had like. That would tie into the roommate thing it's like well oh maybe oh maybe jerry thought like oh maybe he's just gay and he was hanging out at her apartment i have people hanging out at my apartment all the time i leave they're there it's no big deal so maybe that's why he was like you know but no lyle's not gay and i liked uh his date's response to that <laughs> i think i would know <laughs> <laughs> and uh jerry's like well this is a new one just the total response of without having to say yeah we fuck yeah, yeah, exactly. This is very much like George's yada yada situation a couple weeks ago. You know, it's like it is. Jerry yes. just doesn't want to acknowledge the truth. He doesn't want it to be. He's like, no, there's got to be another. No woman would do this, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, and Kramer. Meanwhile, I love the bit of him. He he pulls out some jerky and offers it to the old lady next to him, and he puts it in his mouth. He's like, go on, take a pull, and he puts it in his mouth and pulls some jerky off himself and nails. He just like straight up donkey punches the guy in front of him, yeah. like. <laughs> Uh, and it's at that point that Scarsdale Surprise is announced as the winner of whatever award they were giving out. And all the producers stand up and Kramer is caught up and, and pulled up on stage with them. And George is watching from his fridge recliner at home covered in crumbs and goes, Kramer? Uh, seeing him up on stage uh, holding a Tony. And then in a very Seinfeld line to close out this scene, the people from Scarsdale Surprise, in accepting the award, say, this has truly been... A Scarsdale surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anytime there's any piece of media, they have to. We have to hear the titular <laughs> line. <laughs> I'm gonna give him the death blow. <laughs> You're getting the death blow. So we get a new uh, establishing shot of monks here. It's nighttime. We're angled up at the at the yeah. neon sign. This was weird. Yeah, we're still. I liked it though. Still doing new things. I'll, I'll always hit, even heading into the the last season. Uh, and Elaine is there with Sam, and Sam is worried that people are making fun of her. And Elaine's like, "Well, you know, you might want to think about just as diplomatically as she can, telling her to move her arms. You might want to think about moving your arms." But then she was like, "You know, instead of like you know just holding them there like a caveman." And Ugh. so that's a, a step too far for Sam, who says, everyone told me what a catty shrew you are, which is God. like, that's like, it would have been harsh to say like, oh, wow, you're a catty shrew. But like, everyone told me what a catty shrew you are. Yeah. It's a tough thing to hear about the place you work. <laughs> but knowing Elaine, you know, because this kind of reared its head with Susie, like Elaine getting trashed. And she wasn't upset about getting trashed. She didn't care what this woman thought about her. 
she hated being a Susie or she hated when she called her Suze. She thought that was disrespect. That was disrespectful to her. Not saying that Elaine drove the company into the ground, you know, and like trashing her in front of her. So um, maybe Elaine doesn't care as much what people, other people think of her. You know, that, that could definitely be true. Up in Jerry's apartment, Jerry is explaining to George that his date had a dude there. And George has a, a brilliant theory. Maybe she just wanted to go to the to- Tony's, ask her out again. No Tony, just Jerry. And if uh, she says no, you'll know that she just wanted to go to the Tony's, which is a, a pretty sound theory. We get another exchange there, too, because uh, George is like, you'll see if that dude is her dude. And Jerry just goes, dude. Yeah, stupid. I hated it. <laughs> I chuckled at that one, at least, <laughs> just because just cause dude and I'm, y- you know, late 20s. And I say dude all the time because I'm mentally still like 23, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess dude has always been like like that kind of dude like like it was it was a very california surfer thing i think still in yeah. the 90s and not so much like a dude bro <laughs> thing and so maybe that's and even they even say like dude like they even say it that <laughs> way and i'm like ugh, you know just that for me was like uh but yeah i um I, i'll call my kids dude like when they're being upset like like dude you have a raspberry right in front of you why are you crying about <laughs> wanting more raspberries or whatever you know it's like dude you still haven't finished that you know like uh, <laughs> Bro, go the hell to sleep. Yeah, yeah. So George is going to take a nap. It's 10.30 in the morning, though. And I'm like, they, they, these friends had an early morning together. Like, they already did stuff, and it's not even 10.30. Like, I, I, I don't think I ever did that with my friends. <laughs> Definitely not in my 30s, you know. Um, but Kramer shows up, and he is still in his tux, and he still has a Tony Award for Scarsdale Surprise, which is, we find out, a musical about the Diet Doctor murder. Do you know? I have. Is that? I have real? no idea. All right, we're gonna have is, to. Is this a real thing? Yeah, we're gonna have to look this up. Okay. Yeah, because I'm like, if this was a big news story at the time that they were making fun of, I it was lost on me. I have no idea. I don't even know where is Scarsdale. That's like kind of uh, outskirts of New York City, right? Is that right? Oh, I have no idea. I don't even know. And, and Raquel Welch is in it. So Raquel Welch, um, you know, making an actual at this point just spoken appearance. But once again, uh, we had heard her name in the joke about her from episode 19 of this season. And this is where Kramer mentions that he's been out partying all night and he saw the sunrise at Liza's and George goes, Manelli's? And he goes, no. (laughs) (laughs) Just some other Liza. Yeah. I think he was hoping that someone wouldn't call him on it. You know, like that is like, that would be something to say like, oh, I saw the sunrise at Liza's and people would just think like, oh, that means Liza Manelli. But but George actually ch- actually called him on it. No. Uh, back at Jay Peterman's, Elaine is apologizing in her office to Sam. And Sam is like, oh, yeah, well, I've been thinking maybe I should start swinging my arms. How's this? And starts clearing <laughs> Elaine's desk with her arms and just like swatting stuff off of it. This is the beginning of the behavior where I'm like, how does that not get you fired immediately? I mean, Elaine should be able to do that, even though they're in different departments. Over in the waitress's apartment, I'm still calling it, this is, so she's not Jerry's date now, she's the waitress, but Jerry is picking her up for a date, and she's just getting out of the shower, and so is Lyle. He comes out of, which I guess that was the bathroom that he came out of earlier, because they come out of that same room with mm-hmm. towels on, and I love that Lyle, Lyle is just so cool about it, like, he's like, Dude. hey Jerry, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> not no he calls him jer hey yeah. jer he's like happy yeah. to see him hey jer what's up and jerry <laughs> goes i have absolutely no idea L- lyle is a dude yeah we, we just talked about we just talked about this but lyle is a dude yes completely like J- lyle thinks he and jerry could be friends like lyle yeah. sees no issue with the current situation <laughs> i love that he also had a shower beer 
Lyle's holding yeah. a power beer. Like he walk <laughs> walks out like towel wrapped around him, just slamming back a beer. Yeah. Like, hey Jer. Hey Jer, what's up? <laughs> uh, up in Jerry's apartment, Jerry is on the phone with George, and he's complaining about the fact that this woman, the waitress, is splitting the relationship into two jobs. Only Lyle's in the showroom, and Jerry's in food and beverage. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, George is just hanging out on the phone. Like, he wants to be a part of everything that's going on, but he refuses to come over because he's just being completely lazy on the couch. And, and Kramer comes over, still holding his Tony, and Kramer is going to eat at Sardi's. As Jerry puts it, he's like, you're taking the Tony to Sardi's? He's like, Jerry, the Tony is taking me to Sardi's. Uh, it's at that point that the waitress knocks on the door, and she says, Lyle and I are over. I only want to be with you. So there was a little weird thing going on, but it's over now. Over at Sardi's which is still at 234 West 44th Street, right there in the heart of the Broadway district. That same awning is there. That giant green Sardis sign has moved up and over to the side of the building. So that's not about the door mm. anymore, anymore but, it's, but it's still a part of the, the uh, exterior. And Sardis is famous for having these walls lined with caricatures of movie stars, just like you see kind of when we do go into the interior. Uh, and I remember wow. in the... I think it's... I think it's Muppets Take Manhattan. Kermit the Frog wants to seem like a big deal. And so they get a caricature of him and they put it up at Sardi's and then he goes to eat at Sardi's. And everyone's like, everyone looks at the caricature and looks at him and go, oh, look, it's him. It's that famous guy. His, his picture's on the wall at Sardi's. He must be a big deal. <laughs> and it's been there for 90 years. Ooh, and damn. it's like it's it's like kind of the place to go. It's like one of those pre-dinner, re- you know, pre-theater restaurants where you know, like they'll get you in and out. Yeah, they know when the shows start and they'll get you in and out in time to have it, or you know, show up afterwards. So they have like a, a pre-theater meal and a post-theater menu. And the, their their prefix dinner is three courses for sixty two dollars, which doesn't sound that bad. That's not bad at yeah. all. <laughs> wow. And yeah, if you're already spending like two hundred dollars on theater tickets, you know, you can drop. Uh, you know, 120 or whatever it is for you and your your date to have a nice meal. So yeah, if you're ordering off that menu, their fillet is 48 bucks and their cheeseburger is 26 dollars. So I would just go mm. ahead and just go ahead. Yeah, and get that. the three course. Yeah, get the three course. Yeah, Kramer is holding court there with some people. We don't know who they are, but he's cracking up the table, telling this story about telling Arthur Miller to change it to life of a salesman, not death of a salesman. He even says, like, that's what people want to see. Is it? Is a salesman's life that interesting that people want to see a whole play about his life? But the thing is, that's what I think that's what Death of a Salesman is about. I've never seen (laughs) it or read it, but like. I'm just picturing life of a salesman being like totally mundane, literally just going door to door. Yeah. Yeah. Like no no actual drama or anything (laughs) like that. Yeah. Because I know, like, it is kind of a downer play, as far as I know. So maybe that, maybe that was Kramer's angle. He was like, nobody wants to sit through this downer of a play. Call it Life of a Salesman. And then Lewis, uh, Max, Lewis Maxton Graham enters, and he approaches the table. He's one of the producers of Scarsdale Surprise, and he tells Kramer, we need to talk. Over at Jay Peterman, Elaine is telling Jay Peterman that Sam trashed her office. We can see the evidence of it uh, right there. And Jay Peterman says, oh, I can see what's going on here. I'm in the middle of a good old-fashioned catfight. And Elaine pleads with him that this woman is dangerous. And Jay Peterman goes, woof. <laughs> the, this broke me. The where, And then Elaine goes, I, where, don't you where, mean round? Just him going, like, like the whole bit of like him doing the dog bark instead of the cat's meow. Yeah. It, I laughed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> 
woof. My God. Of course, of all of all people, Jay Peterman would be the person to go woof instead of round. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because then Elaine goes, don't you mean round? He goes, yes, that's the one. Thank you, Elaine. <laughs> um, he leaves, and Elaine shouts after him about how this woman, she's crazy right as Sam passes and glares at Elaine as she pretends like she was singing a, a song about being crazy. She's crazy! And like, right, like nose to nose. <laughs> she shows up uh, over at Monks. They've uh, Jerry and his date. We still don't know her name. We're well into nope. the second half of the episode. Uh, they've had a very busy date day, and she also expects dinner at Safuzi tonight, which I found out actually was an upscale Italian restaurant chain that started in Dallas in 1984 and opened at 58 West 56th Street, again, right near Lincoln Center, right near Broadway uh, in 88. It is now closed. I don't know when it closed, but uh. yeah, yeah. People, people were like, there's a... a a few, you know, backdated articles about the guy who created it, and they were like, oh, like praising his corporate know-how and his, um, <laughs> you know, his entrepreneurship. And now the yeah. restaurant's closed. I don't know what he's doing now, but I hope he's okay. I mean, I, I got nothing against the guy, but it seemed like he was, you know, a lot a lot of people were writing about him in the mid-90s, and then, oh, well, no more Safuzi. But he asks, uh, oh, she asks about the outfits, which she, one she should wear, and she rushes to get a haircut, telling him to, you know, call her, but leave a message. She's not going to be there. And don't forget my bags. And she leaves right as George enters, as as Jerry, like, bangs his head on the, you know, puts his head down in exhaustion on the table. And Jerry looks dead, he says. And here's where we find out. It's Lynette. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, as I'm As I'm watching this episode, I think it was like... 16 or 17 minutes into a 23-minute episode. Yeah, it's Lynette. We finally know. But she's running Jerry ragged with all of these, you know, expectations and stuff. And George has an idea, and I loved at first. He's like, what if the two of us teamed up? And Jerry goes, not. And then George realizes what that sounded like. He goes, oh, no, no. <laughs> Going back to the uh, menage a trois. Um, <laughs> But no, I, like, I was almost I was almost expecting a not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he was like, maybe the two of us working at full capacity could do the job of one normal man when it comes to relationships. <laughs> so because Jerry was like, I need a relationship intern. And that's when George that's when he has a, his little flash of genius. And over at Sardi's, the producers are sitting down with Kramer and saying that there's no way that he can keep the Tony unless they talk about Raquel Welch, the star of the show. She's a train she's a train wreck. She doesn't move her arms when she's tap dancing, and they want Kramer to fire her. It's at this point I recognized not Lewis Maxstone Graham, the unnamed African American producer. Did he look familiar to you? Uh, I I don't know. Like I think he went on to like a. He looks like maybe I'm just getting mixed up with somebody else. I I, I feel like he's from a like a, a like a giant procedural show or something like that. Uh, I'm gonna write that down. Really? I feel like I've seen him some places. Maybe he's just one of those character actors that has been in everything. Over at uh, Jerry's apartment, Kramer is telling Jerry that the producers are terrified of Raquel Welch. One time they cut one of her lines, and she went up into the rafters and started dropping lights on people. And I love his tag here. A story like that's gotta be true. (laughs) 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 And Jerry's like, oh, what's up? She seems like a nice person. And Kramer goes, Jerry, you're not in show business. And And Jerry's like, yes, I am. And I love that Kramer's like, Oh, come on. Like, he really, like, this is even before Kramer got into quote unquote show business. He has never, like, 
respected Jerry's occupation as much as he supports him. <laughs> it's always like, you know, you've made your observations. He, he agreed with his parents that he should go into the Bloomingdale's training program, the executive training program. And, <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, you mean you're he always demeans it and diminishes it any chance he gets. But especially now that he's got a Tony Award, he's like, oh, come on. You don't know what these people are like. Uh, Elaine comes in and she fills Jerry in on all of her office drama and even plays a threatening phone message that Sam left about where she's going to attack Elaine. And she's like, and also, you know, everyone thinks it's just a cat fight. That's when Kramer gets very excited about when he just hears the word he was about oh to leave. God. And he, he sticks yeah, around. He's like, it's like cat fight? Cat fight. <laughs> and then Lane's like, what's so appealing about a cat fight? And Jerry <laughs> says, well, you know, guys think that when women are, you know, tussling like that, there might be a chance they kiss. And Kramer gets very excited at that <laughs> prospect, too. <laughs> Out on the street, Jerry and George are prepping Jerry for his date with Lynette. George has the tickets for Lenore's Promise at 7.15, which you know just includes a line that goes, that really was Lenore's Promise. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we finally fulfilled Lenore's Promise. (laughs) My name is Lenore, and this is my promise. And he brought even brought a duffel bag. He has a sweater in there that Lynette likes better than the green sweater that Jerry had chosen. Remember to remark on her nails. And if you need him, George has a beeper. And also he has <laughs> breath spray for Jerry. One last little breath spray. And Jerry and George exits right as Lynette comes up and tells. Uh, oh, but uh, actually Jerry tells George that he needs invitations for a party this Friday. And oh, by the way, George and George's like, I know, don't skimp. (laughs) (laughs) And so he bolts right as Lynette uh, comes up and Jerry remarks on her nails and she talks about the sweater and uh, it's going great. Over at Melody Stationers, the clerk recognizes George from the wedding invitations. And this was like such a dark joke, but so funny where she's like, how did that go? And he was like, no complaints. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) Someone was murdered. I'm guilty maybe of manslaughter. And uh, no complaints. <laughs> that was funny. And he and she's like, well, if I remember correctly, and she flips the book to the end, and he's like, actually, and he flips it back to the front. He's like, these glossy ones, I'll take those. Over at the Majestic Theater, which is a Broadway theater still at 245 West 44th Street, it was built in 1927, and since 1988, it has been playing one show, and that's Phantom of the Opera. Broadway's longest running production. Yeah. Since 1988. And uh, shows start again on the 22nd of October. Broadway's back, baby. So if you want to see The Phantom, I love it. Uh, You can head there uh, in a couple months for listening to this. I've never seen Phantom on Broadway. I've seen a couple of the movies, uh, not the Gerard Butler one, but I saw that we watched the 27 Phantom and like the 48 Phantom, I think. Because The Phantom as Um, a property existed before they added music to it, right? I would imagine. Yes, like, that's an Andrew Lloyd Webber thing, and he didn't work. You know, he he didn't work as far back as those like silent black and white things that you know that that weird looking Phantom with like the full kind of that weird full mask. Like this Phantom has, they put him in that like half mask. You know. Yeah, I don't know if the twenty seven Phantom was the original or not. It may not be. At the very least, I think they um you know Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, yeah expounded on it you know and added the music mm-hmm. and everything like that. Oh sure. But um, but th- but definitely like the the Broadway Phantom is kind of have e- has even replaced that old monster as you know the Phantom of the Opera. So and and I love it. It's great. Uh, I don't like Gerard Butler as the Phantom though. I never liked. I, I don't like his singing voice. He like he just like <laughs> his his mouth is too. He like spits everywhere. And I like Ger- Gerard Butler, but I just yeah. Um, I, I think Amy Rossum is a great Christine Daae to that matter. Okay, enough Phantom talk. <laughs> 
Welcome to Phantom Cast. We only talk about Phantom of the Opera and only the Broadway musical, not any other iterations. Uh, so we're, we're in uh, Raquel Welch's dressing room and Kramer enters and she takes a call from Sydney saying they're like, no, I don't want to do that. And if you bring it up again, I'm going to feed your genitals to a wolf. And she hangs up and goes, "Ugh, kids. <laughs> Which I thought was, Jesus. That was a funny joke. <laughs> like you thought the funny part was feeding the genitals like, oh, wow, she is mean. And then she goes, "Ugh, kids. That was hilarious. God damn it. Uh, and Kramer <laughs> tries to fire her as quickly and confusingly as he can. Because he's like, well, vis-a-vis uh, -vis audience fragmentation. And he's like, well, you're, you're fired because you don't move your arms and you tap dance. Bye. And he tries to run out, but she grabs him by the shoulders and pulls him back into the room. Meanwhile, George is walking through the park with the invitations as a guy who looks exactly like George. <laughs> which I, I always love when someone looks when george interacts with people who look exactly like him you know like neil from the foundation earlier yeah i i need to know now if this is the same actor that played the guy who we only saw like the back of his head that looked just like george oh, that that woman was dating oh that was neil that's right i forget the name of his uh the guy from the the foundation scholarship. oh uh steve steve corin because he was Corrin. named after the writer <laughs> right yeah 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 so i well, all right, we'll have to look that up. We'll do that next week because I know that that guy did pop up in a couple of other episodes, and I'm trying to remember now where we saw the front of his head. And he, you know, a frisbee lands at George's feet, and so he's like, "Hey, uh, he's like, you're playing frolf." He's like, "Yeah, we need a, we need to force him for the back nine if you want to play." And George ponders. There's a, a up up above his head show up a frisbee, <laughs> and then Jerry saying, "What's the deal with airline peanuts?" <laughs> God and damn it! Jerry's bubble pops. And George picks Froth. <laughs> you know, we weren't, we have never been able to find the actual airline peanut stand up bit from Jerry Steinfeld IRL. I, so it's just something that is lost to comedy mythology yeah. to the point where they're even making fun of it. Yeah, this is another and, one of those and we don't know jokes. if the we don't know if the recording of the joke exists. Yeah, or if it was even a Jerry bit, or if it was a, or if it was just what people used to parody <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld. Like, what's the deal with airline food, or what's the deal with airline peanuts? You know, and they were just playing into that parody. Like, that's the way George thinks of him too. He thinks of him <laughs> as the way people make fun of Jerry Seinfeld, even in the Jerry Seinfeld universe. What's the deal? But also, I'm like, was this to get back at Jerry from the cold open? Because Jerry like shit on his joke, like what's the deal with those guys in the pit? And the, the fact that he thinks of Jerry's funny observation, what's the deal with airline peanuts? I'm like, I think this was a little bit of revenge for mm. him not thinking he's funny in the in the cold open, and that's why, wow. yeah, I think it goes back that far. So up in Lynette's apartment, I can finally say that Jerry <laughs> and Lynette are getting ready to take a shower together, but Lynette is pissed because she doesn't end the invitations yet, and they have to go out today. And I love this is where I noticed that Jerry Jerry had a hairless chest. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Does he shave his chest? And he calls George. And as he's waiting for the waiting for him to pick up, Lynette walks by and goes, do you shave your chest hair? And he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> so as George is coming home from playing Frolf, he drops one of the invites on the steps and he picks up the phone and Jerry tells him that he needs the invitations. And he uh, this was. So this is kind of funny. He's like, all right, keep your towel on. And, and Jerry's like, what? He's like, it's a joke. Okay, that's not bad. Get over here, though. <laughs> <laughs> and George walks out of his apartment and slips on the invitation that he dropped on the steps. By the way, I noticed that George has three wooden baseball bats in a basket next to his door. Like, what is that for? Really? I didn't notice that. <laughs> 
in case there's like riots outside or something. <laughs> <laughs> and why three? It's just weird. So Elaine is on the street playing the threatening message for the cops. And I like how increasingly she's like, I'm going to get you uh, this place at the, at the ATM across the street or at the watch shop. <laughs> I loved how it was almost Pacino-like. It was like, you know what? Deliver yeah. this like Al Pacino. You know how he yells the last part of every sentence? Do that. Get increasingly up to that <laughs> level and then yell, you want to meet me at the watch shop? <laughs> did, you, uh, did you notice who one of these cops was? Yes, the janitor. I wrote that down. Yeah, yeah Neil Flynn. <laughs> Neil Flynn, yeah. Man, and I think he's the one who did the next round. <laughs> yeah, he does start the rounds. And Raquel Welch is very pissed about being being fired as she's walking down the same street. <laughs> and as Elaine is showing the cops how Sam walks, she thinks Elaine is making fun of the way she tap dances and starts a cat fight. And the cops are very excited about that. Meanwhile, at New York Hospital, Jerry and Kramer are there to see George. Kramer's Tony is busted up, and he has uh, his face has been messed up as well. He looks busted up as well, and he says it was Raquel Welch. Elaine shows up all disheveled and scratches across her face, and <laughs> Jerry's like, what happened? And before he can even get the question out, she goes, Raquel Welch! <laughs> and they call that woman a menace. George is wheeled out on a gurney, and he asked Jerry about the towels. He was like, they're back on the rack. And he's like, even with the two of us, we still couldn't figure it out. And Jerry's like, I think we're still a man short. <laughs> God. And uh, let me see. Oh, yeah. So the doctor comes out, the same doctor from the invitations back when uh, he told him. Back when he said that Susan expired. Remember how weird that was? Yeah. She's expired. Yeah. Like, what? Thanks for the bedside manner, chief. So the same doctor comes out and says that George's body was in a state of advanced atrophy from extreme <laughs> inactivity. And with very hard work, you may be able to walk again. Not just that. Very hard work and a little bit of luck. Yeah, yeah. George may be paralyzed because he was so lazy. <laughs> and the three kind of saunter off to go get well, some coffee. I, I think it's I think it's Elaine who says, like, invitations again. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And Kramer goes, That is crazy, or that's wild, or something like that. Um, so we get a little bookend here. And as they saunter off, George goes, This was supposed to be the summer of George. Summer of George. And uh, he's just laying there unsupervised in the middle of the hallway. And we get one last little scene of season eight. And that's George doing physical therapy uh, to try to regain use of his legs again. And then we see Sam also learning how to swing her arms in physical therapy. <laughs> well, what was so weird, though, was George was actually trying. And Sam is just giving up and saying, I can't do it. It's yeah. too hard. I can't swing my arms. So that is it. <laughs> All right. What do we got this week for homework? This week, we got uh, Molly Shannon. Uh, where was she in her career at this point? White Shadow. What is that? Amanda Peet. Uh, we got a little, a lot of uh, actor dark. Jeez. Uh, uh, like freaking short circuited <laughs> there. I'm going to blame the hangover for that. Yeah. My, my synapses are reconnecting. <laughs> you have a lot of actor deep dives is what I was trying to say. Like Amanda Peet, we want to know. What was the Scarsdale surprise? Was there an actual diet doctor murder? Uh, who played the African-American producer? Who played the Frolf actor? Is that the guy who played Neil or was he in any other episodes? And that's it. All right. What do you like for cover art this week? Ah, oh, 
Great question. Um, you know, George with the, the the thought bubbles above his head is pretty funny. Um, let me think. What, what do you like? Uh, I really liked George sitting in his fridge Kleiner. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. With, the, <laughs> with Covered in crumbs. That's what I always yeah. like about that. I, I wish you could. I wish there was a shot of the door of the refrigerator open, but he closes it as the camera pans back. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that thing actually had a fridge in it or if they had to do that extreme close-up because they had to build a something that looked like a fridge with the same upholstery as the chair and they couldn't really figure out how to make it part of the chair probably that yeah i i I mean i know it gives away the ending but if you're listening to this you're probably not listening to it for actual episode recaps but i like the end when george is in the gurney and all of them are are in the hospital you know (laughs) that's good too yeah lots of good stuff oh man all right yeah I'll, i'll make one of those work Let's see what we can do about this week's description, though. Okay. So we had, after getting fired from the Yankees, George uses his free time to help Jerry with a demanding girlfriend. Period. Kramer accidentally wins a Tony Award, while Elaine is accused of being mean by her co-workers. We can definitely get rid of after being fired by the Yankees, but I like George uses free time to help Jerry with a demanding girlfriend. That's good. I, I like that, and hear me out on this. Okay. I say get rid of the Kramer bit entirely. Because Kramer is the C story at best. Yeah. And I think that serves better as just like a funny surprise that happens in the episode. I don't think that's description worthy. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, we could do something like, you know, Kramer and Elaine deal with difficult coworkers, something like that. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what happens. But is, is yeah. difficult, would that be the second use of difficult? We can fill that in. Is it difficult girl? No, demanding. Okay, so difficult would fit there. Yeah, we, we can do that. I, Kramer's not technically Raquel Welch's co-worker, though. Yeah. But I mean, he, I, I, get, I guess, like, in order to keep his Tony, they want him to fire her. Yeah. So, I mean, he, and he kind of is playing a producer, and yeah. uh, we can, I, I, think it would, I think it would pass muster. Okay. Yeah, so we have uh, George uses his free time to help Jerry with a demanding girlfriend, semicolon, Kramer and Elaine deal with difficult co-workers. Yeah, I like it. All right, there we go. That's a little better. <laughs> God, I'm going to run out of characters in the in the description whenever I publish that, <laughs> just from that description. So I, I like how we were able to shorten it, because that's usually what I use yeah. if I can't fit the full thing, which has only happened a few times. They've been wow. so like obnoxiously long. Uh, okay, well, next week we've got season nine, episode one, Whoa. the season nine premiere, the premiere of the final season, The Butter Shave, original air date, September 25th, 1997, and I'm guessing uh, next week we'll do our, our top episodes of, of season eight, if okay. you want to do that. Yeah, that works. Uh, I, get- I wrote mine down, but I, I don't have them ordered or anything, and so yeah, yeah we can wait on that. All right, yeah, well, it'll give us a... a another day to like figure them out and like put them in a specific order but yeah we'll have the premiere and we'll have our top eps of of season eight but if you're looking in tv guide the night of september 25th 1997 you are gonna see george gets a new job after he's mistaken for being handicapped while jerry suspects banya is taking advantage of him period kramer's latest (laughs) shaving technique backfires as elaine breaks up with her boyfriend during a transatlantic flight oh my gosh (laughs) <laughs> wow well i think i think we'll be able to make that <laughs> it's so bad yeah yeah and i if i'm not mistaken i think there is a famous i 
think you might recognize this guy. A a fellow stand-up comic has a little bit part in Oh really? In this episode, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll have to I yeah, we'll have to wait and see if I'm if I'm correct on that. I think you might recognize this guy, but we'll have to wait. Okay, so before so since we're not doing our top eight, did you like the summer of George? I did, but I didn't star it. Yeah, looking at my list now that I've got all the ones that I've starred. I probably could have. I probably do think it's better than some of the other ones. I thought it was a great season finale. I mean, that's one yeah, thing I, that I think season yeah. eight and season seven both had incredible season finales. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a really good episode. I think it is a a great finale. But if I were to star it, it would just be at the bottom anyway. Like yeah. I would star it, but it would be low on my list of, of season eight. So I'm like, eh. What's the point? It, 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 it'll get bumped out of the top five anyway. Yeah, that's kind of the way I felt about the muffin tops. I was like, I'm not going to, so much work to do the star. I'm not going to bother with it. It it probably deserves it. And that's the way I felt about this one. I'm like, I, you know, (laughs) we're we're done with the season. I'm not giving out any more stars. Come on. (laughs) But But I did think it was a great, you know, what a great way to end season eight, the same way, essentially, that we ended season seven. So, yeah. All right. Great. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Haldwell. Be good. Be good.